from digitiki.com. Harry Bond? Hey, you got the same last name? Yeah, uh, please, no jokes. <laughs> I'm not 007. Now I know why they call you 014. You do? Yes. You're twice as smart as 007. Welcome to the Quiet Village. Welcome back to The Quiet Village. It's been a while, but I am back. I know a lot of you thought I was not going to return, but I am back with a vengeance and back with the return of Joe Banks. This never happened to the other fellow. And that intro to this episode was quite special because we are going to be focusing on the music of James Bond, one of Joe Banks' specialties. And... For that reason, we've broken tradition. We're not having a Mai Tai. We're having a Vesper. Vesper martinis, folks. Which, in case you don't know, is really the James Bond martini. It was actually, uh, give us a little info on the Vesper. Well, it was um, in the Casino Royale book, which was the first of the books that Ian Fleming wrote. And it wasn't actually invented by Ian Fleming. It was invented by his friend. And Fleming asked him to invent him a drink for the book. And he came up with the Vesper. So uh, three measures of Gordon's gin, one measure of vodka, and about a half measure of Lillet. Shake over ice and serve with a thin lemon peel. And that is what we have. And we got a shot of that up for those of you who are looking. Let's clink that one more time. Oh, Cheers. God save the queen. This is truly a Bond drink. So we are going to be doing the music of James Bond. Not just your typical James Bond theme song greatest hits, mind you. Right. We're, we've picked out tunes like different alternate versions and, of course, Scott, a.k.a. Joe Banks, also being an internationally ignored director, has access to some rare, unreleased James Bond soundtrack stuff, which is very, very cool. Some special John Barry tidbits. So, uh, I like John Barry's tidbits. (laughs) Rather. So we're going to appropriately enough start off with the very first piece of James Bond music the world heard, which was at the very beginning of Dr. No. That's right. It's credited to Monty Norman, but in fact, the John Barry Orchestra wrote that piece. Monty Norman has tremendous claims on that, and it's actually credited to Monty Norman, but I think it's pretty widely accepted now that John Barry, in fact, wrote the James Bond theme. Okay, so here, slightly different from all the other Bond intros with, the, with looking down the barrel of the gun, is uh, the beginning of Dr. No, which was the beginning of the Bond craze.
the people down Kingston Town, you know all the people go jump up. Waving arms about, weaving in and out, it's so easy to jump up. Make a pretty girl, make a whirl, and then both begin again, jump up. Hold her very tight, and for all the night, you'll be doing to jump up. Jump up, jump up, Jamaica, jump up, jump up, Jamaica, jump up, music. Jamaica, never want to stop, jump up, get up, jump up, jump up, Jamaica, jump up, jump up, Jamaica, jump up, music. Jump up! says he wants you to have a drink with him. <laughs> Dr. No is actually a really good movie. I, it was it was on the BBC recently, and it was just great to watch it again. I don't own it, unfortunately. It's one that I don't have yet. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing how long it takes James Bond to show up in Dr. No. Yes, but when he does, he's sitting right there at the, with the back of a table. Classic. One of the great introductions of cinema right up there with... You know, Omar Sharif and Lawrence of Arabia. Rhett Butler and Gone with the Wind. And George Lazenby in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. But anyway, let's talk about Dr. No. Getting mm-hmm. up to that point, I mean, you are the Bond expert here. So so Ian Fleming wrote all yeah, the Bond titles, right? 13, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. He, he wrote 13 Bond novels. Uh, including Spy Who Loved Me, which is nothing like the movie. Spy Who Loved Me is basically told from the perspective of a, a, of a female writer who is going to meet James Bond. And I think uh, Octopussy in the Living Daylights is just a collection of short stories, including like the Hildebrandt Rarity and uh, Property of a Lady, which they actually use that phrase in Octopussy, the movie. Right, for the Fabergé egg. But when uh, you know when those books came out in the 50s, both uh, Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman were big, big fans of them, and they both pursued the rights to those books independently without knowing each other, and eventually they you know, teamed up and pooled their efforts and bought them collectively. You know, the first one cost a million dollars, and they chose Dr. No, which wasn't the first novel, but it was the one that was the most manageable. A million dollars was still a lot of money for this untried property. Well, that also started the whole megalomaniac trying to 
take over the world, you know, for one million dollars, which we will get. Yeah, to we'll get that. to that. That's you know, that, that that's more. You only live twice. Uh, but uh, that you know, Doctor No, the movie that we all know, the you know, with introducing Sean Connery as James Bond, was not actually the first Bond brought to the screen. In the fifties, there was a television movie of Casino Royale with a guy named Barry Nelson. And since it was an American TV show, they changed his name to Jimmy Bond, and he was an American agent. But it was like a 60-minute a condensed TV version of Casino Royale. Climax presents Casino Royale, from the bestseller by Ian Fleming. Stars Barry Nelson, Peter Laurie, and Linda Christian. And now, Casino Royale. Oh, you're a legend, old boy. Card sense Jimmy Bond, they call you. I knew you right away. I didn't know I had that much of a reputation. Oh, my dear fellow, look here. How about you give me the lowdown? How to play? Technically, Barry Nelson is the first James Bond. There's a little bit of trivia, and we are enjoying our Vesper martinis. I'm going to post the, uh, the recipe on the website, so if you guys want to figure out how to make your own genuine Vesper Martini, which is really the James Bond Martini. That's true. And if you miss the recipe on the Quiet Village website, you can just get it from the movie Casino Royale where he actually says it. Dry Martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. You know, that's not half bad. I'm going to have to think up a name for that. It's actually quite dry. It's smooth, but it's dry. And we actually did it's ours. Delicious. We did ours with um, Hendrix gin and not Gordon's. So we we Hendrix is a little smoother. So um, well, let's move on. Right, so Shelley. Let's play another song. Let's move on. So the second movie was from Rush with Love. from Rush with Love, which is another fantastic movie. And by the, at this point, Doctor No was a pretty big hit, and Ian Fleming was very pleased. And right around this time. President Kennedy released his top ten favorite books, and one of those books was From Marshall with Love, and that called a lot of attention to Ian Fleming and these Bond films, so there was a lot riding on From Russia with Love when they went into making it. Okay, let's hear the, the, original, theme song, uh, the original theme to From Russia with with love. Oh, that's a good choice because ordinarily they include the end titles on the greatest hits album. This is the actual main titles. Yes, great. Great John Barry.
Okay, what you just heard was actually a piece of the score from Russia with Love that was actually redone by uh, a pop artist of the day by the name of Billy Strange. And that was from his album, I believe it was called The James Bond Theme on uh, Crescendo Records in 1964, and uh, that was a piece of the incidental music used in From Rush With Love. Interestingly enough, that theme was actually used again in other Bond movies. It was used in You Only Live Twice during the helicopter sequence. It was also used in, um, I believe, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Also, I believe, in Moonraker during the boat chase it's probably in, in other themes, but those are, the, those are the ones that come off the top of my head. But before that, you also heard the original theme song for From Russia With Love, which is very cool and swanky. Yeah, really powerful. I love that. It, John Barry really just made the sound of Bond. He yeah, had, John, John Barry is Bond. You hear even in his non-Bond scores... You'll think of Bond, like, you know, the 1977 Dino De Laurentiis King Kong movie with Jeff Bridges. John Barry wrote the music for it. And if you listen to the score, it sounds like a Bond film. It gives the movie more weight than it deserves, <laughs> I think. Okay, so so uh, From Russia With Love was a big hit. So they had two big hits on their hands. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, Bond really didn't have any gadgets. He's still gadgetless, right? And pretty, for the, yeah, for the most part. He, I mean, he had his briefcase in From Rush With Love, which had the little secret knife. And if you turn the dials the, the wrong way, like a gas pellet will go off. Right. That, that's true. That was gadgety. Okay. So he had a little but bit of a But it's starting. It's starting. And then comes... Right. Goldfinger, which I know uh, everybody loves Goldfinger, but let me tell you, folks, Goldfinger is the problem, not the solution. Goldfinger itself is a great movie, but every time they go back to that Goldfinger formula, that's when you get these crazy Roger Moore flying on a rocket ship, drinking a martini over the top comedy okay, I fests. liked Roger Moore as Bond. <laughs> I like Roger I think, Moore, too. I think he got some bad scripts. I, I th- right. It's Nothing is Roger's fault. He was I, always good. but make, you know. make no mistake. I, Sean Connery's the original. I think Sean Connery was an amazing Bond, but Here, I did let, like let me, uh, let me put it to you this way. A View to a Kill is the exact same movie as Goldfinger, only instead of gold bullion, it's microchips. That'll tell you what the Goldfinger formula is all about. <laughs> but Goldfinger was a great movie. Goldfinger is a great movie, and it's helped by John Barry's great score, and Sean Connery is really comfortable in his job now as Bond. And Okay, quick, quick little... Um... The guy who played Goldfinger, which I cannot remember his name. Gert Frobe. Gert Frobe, yes. What other children's movie did he play, also written by Ian Fleming? It's a very good, uh, very good trivia question. And by the way, this particular movie is the only other non-James Bond book that Ian Fleming ever wrote. And it also features Desmond Llewellyn, who plays Q in the Bond movies, it practically is a Bond movie. Chitty 
Chitty Bang Bang. Yes, Chitty Chitty Bang with Dick Van Dyke. And it was actually produced by Cubby Broccoli and Harry yep. Salzman yep. as well. It's like the entire Bond team decided they would like to rip off Mary Poppins. I mean, honestly, if anybody didn't know that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was written by Ian Fleming, only Ian Fleming would name a female character truly scrumptious. All right, so let's let's actually do a newer version of Goldfinger. This is um, the Propeller Heads with Shirley Bassey, who did the original Goldfinger, but they did a remixed version. I think she actually came in and re-recorded it. For this version, it's a really nice version. The Propeller Heads and Shirley Bassey doing Goldfinger. Thank you. 
All right, that was a tune called Into Miami. Into Miami, which is the very it's the it, intro to the Goldfinger. Yeah, it, well, it's the the second John Barry Q in Goldfinger, and it's uh, when we meet Bond. Bond meets Felix Leiter there. Felix Leiter, he meets the the Gold Girl, Tilly Masterson. Tilly Masterson, and he gives and he gives uh, sticks it to Goldfinger a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Goldfinger was actually great movie. I really liked Goldfinger because it just it amped it up another notch. Yeah, Goldfinger is really when they kind of hit their stride. I mean, I I prefer the other the first two to Goldfinger just because they're they're more serious in tone. But you couldn't really sustain that. So it's it's nice to have the the every odd Goldfinger for every you know, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Then you have you know well. Then you have Diamonds Are Forever. Maybe that's a bad example, right. but <laughs> but it's right. nice to lighten the tone a little bit. I, in fact, uh, a Goldfinger trivia question for you. Okay. Uh, what did James Bond drink in Goldfinger other than his usual vodka martini? Oh, you totally lost me on that one. I'm, I'm racking my brain. What? Well, actually, Goldfinger offers him a mint julep, which he does take. Oh. However, that's not the answer. What he actually orders <laughs> on his own is bourbon and branch water, and branch water is the dew that comes off the foliage that they strain into, <laughs> into right. glass. Uh, when well, in Rome, even Bond will not order a vodka martini. I hear the bourbon and branch water is quite spectacular. <laughs> Julep, not too tart for you, I hope. <laughs> no, it's perfect, thank you. Uh, you know, see, this is what happens when you have these uh, Vespers. All right, now let's set up the next movie. The next movie is where it just exploded. Dr. No, big, from Russia with love, bigger, Goldfinger, even bigger. Now, here comes the biggest Bond of all, Thunderball. Now, James Bond does it. Everywhere. Look up. Look down. Look out. Here comes the biggest bond of all. Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Salzman present Sean Connery in Thunderball. Produced by Kevin McClory. Panavision. Technicolor. A United Artists release. Thunderball. That was when Literally. Bond hit the widescreen, and it was just an international phenomenon. I mean, Goldfinger was really huge. These other movies were not CinemaScope up to this point? No, up to this point, they were 166, which was the UK's aspect ratio for movies, which is not even as wide as a, a typical 185 non-widescreen movie that you see today. <laughs> so if you look at your DVDs, you'll see that they're not quite as wide as the 235 aspect ratio that Thunderball was. And Bond has continued in that aspect ratio ever since with the exception, two exceptions, Man with the Golden Gun and Live and Let Die, Roger Moore's first two because they didn't want to spend a lot of money on those two because they weren't really sure if it was going to continue with Roger. <laughs> but, you know, once they did, Spy Who Loved Me was back to being the widescreen anamorphic Panavision movie. Now, Thunderball, really quick. Thunderball was, it actually pioneered a lot of underwater photography, right? Up to that it, it point. It really did. And Thunderball is a, a really great Bond film in definitely my one of my top five, but I think 
part of its innovation is part of its failure. It gets a little slow in that third act when they're underwater because they seem to be really excited that they can do they all can this film underwater. underwater. <laughs> but one of the great things, you know, with the you mentioned the gadgets earlier, that little rebreather mm-hmm. that Bond uses, that little pocket size aqua lung that they completely ripped off in the Phantom Menace. Uh, that was so believable that the army called up the bomb production office and wanted to know where they can get one of these things because this You're is really kidding great. Me. No, is they really, really? And they say hey, it's just a prop; it doesn't do anything. You never. Well, remember the abyss where they mm-hmm. had the uh, the the liquid br- liquid re- oxygen. Re- yeah, yeah, it was like the liquid. The rat re- was doing it, but he's not digging it. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, so rather than playing the theme to Thunderball, which is a great theme song done by Tom Jones, Mm -hmm. great theme song, because uh, I'm sure most of you have already heard it. So we're going to kind of focus on the back end of Bond, kind of the stuff that people have redone or different versions. Actually, this is going to be a piece from the score, which I think is really a, a, a seminal piece for John Barry, because a lot of people have ripped it off, including George S. Clinton, who did the soundtrack to uh, Austin Powers. It, Absolutely. It, this, this actual cue is very reminiscent of Austin Powers. It's called Search for Vulcan. Ah, nice. That's beautiful. Which is a great one. But you had, what was what was that? Oh, you were talking about the Disco Volante. Yes, the ship in the movie was called yeah, the Disco the, Volante. Da, uh, Largo's ship, the Disco Volante, and I asked you, what does Disco Volante mean? And I have no idea. It's Italian for flying saucer. Oh, I thought it was some crazy 70s dance move. Uh, you mind if she sits this one out? She's just dead. <laughs> All right, so here is Search for Vulcan. You will hear some Austin Powers in this. And then we'll play. Actually, by this point, Bond got so popular that it had just permeated. Uh, it had permeated the pop culture by this point. And Count Basie did a complete album called Basie Meets Bond. So we're going to we'll we'll do Are you going to follow it up with that? We'll follow it up with Count Basie's swinging version of Thunderball. Nice, but first we'll do a little John Barry. Yes, a little John Barry.
Wow, what the hell was that? <laughs> Did you not recognize that, or you thought you might have recognized it? Yeah, I think it? I know. Is that Austin Powers? That was, that was a, a medley of Austin Powers. But I wanted to kind of play that back-to-back with the Thunderball because it shows how, how much bond they actually... I don't want to say ripped off. They gleaned. You know, it's well. That's funny. Paid that you homage. You know, I like Austin Powers, and I think it's very funny. But it doesn't really rip off like the Bond genre as a whole as much as it likes to claim. It's really just ripping off one movie. You only live twice. <laughs> like everything in there is a direct riff on You Only Live Twice. Doctor Evil's wearing the suit that Blofeld the wears. Jacket. You're right. He's got the scar. He lives in a volcano. <laughs> like it's all You Only Live Twice. And you know what? Deservedly so because. You Only Live Twice is the Bond movie where it kind of went off the rails a little bit. <laughs> well, let's, let's uh, before we get into You Only Live Twice, which I love that theme song, by the way. I, I, you know, I wanted to use the Austin Powers as an example of how permeated into pop culture Bond is. You know, and especially at this point, which is, I believe, 66 or 65 when Thunderball came out, you know, Bond and the spy genre is just completely engulfed in world culture. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. And spies are now considered sexy and not these shadowy, gritty figures. They're, they're sexy adventurers. And there's a host of spy television shows on TV. Um, and I chose the intros to this episode to illustrate the pervasiveness of James Bond and that genre. I mean, the first clip you hear is from the Dick Van Dyke Show, season five in 1966, uh, the year after Thunderball. And then the second clip is the Gilligan's Island's third season, which is also in 1966. And you see by that time, James Bond had become so well-known that even, you know, in the case of the Dick Van Dyke Show, they could use the name Bond for a gag. So it was so, you know, it was so prevalent. It just went gangbusters. It, yeah. it, it permeated pop culture like crazy. Bond right. just went I crazy. heard you know, that the premiere of Thunderball in the UK was so crazy swamped like the Beatles were in town that Connery couldn't even get out of his limousine to go <laughs> see the movie. Well, he's Bond. He should have found an interesting way to get out. Or... There is an ejector seat, is there not? <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> Yeah, Thunderball was where it just really exploded. They had that was the first one they had like twenty four hour round the clock screenings. Right, I think Thunderball was the first. I I may be wrong. There's people probably going to write in on this one. Thunderball is the first movie they considered a blockbuster. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's absolutely correct. But then again, I could be wrong. I've been drinking these Vespers. We've had six of them now. (laughs) We're actually on our second, and these are strong, folks. So if you're going to mix these, oof. Yeah. Don't record podcasts. Don't record podcasts. So Thunderball, and then came You Only Live Twice. Yeah. And that was the, unfortunately... That was the end of Terrence Young as the director. Uh, Terrence Young directed Dr. No and From Rush With Love. Guy Hamilton directed Goldfinger, and then they got Terrence Young back one more time for Thunderball. And Terrence Young, 
And if you're at all a Bond fan, you've watched all the supplementary material in your DVDs, you've heard everybody in the Bond crew say over and over again, oh, I think Terrence Young was James Bond. Oh, yes, Terrence was James Bond. Well, Terrence Young really was James Bond. Mm. He was the one that put all the sophisticatedness in, you know, in the books, Fleming's Bond is a lot like Daniel Craig that we've seen in Casino Royale and Quantum of He's Solace. He's grittier. He's a little rough around the edges. Terrence Young is what put in the, the fine tailored suits from Savile Row and the, you know, the appetite for fine cuisine and things like that. Right. That was what ter- uh, that's what Terrence Young was all about. Now, there's another little piece of trivia that I found out about this. Up until this point, the... Um, the volcano set was the largest set for a movie ever. Yes, that's absolutely true. For Ken Adams, who did you know the lion's share of all the really great Bond sets, was tasked with this, and you know he looked at the script and he said to you know Cubby and Harry. Uh, you know, this is going to cost a million dollars to make this set, which is the entire budget of Doctor No. No. And Cubby and Harry said, "Okay, you got it." And then Ken Adams like, "Oh my God! Now I have to figure out how to make this for a million dollars," which he did. It was really great. And, and, and it's a spectacular set, and it's full scale. I mean, if you look at the movie, you know, there's there's a shot where there's a a real helicopter landing. That's not a matte painting. That no. is a real gigantic set. And, and for many, many years, that's what the Bond movies prided themselves on. Like, everything is real. You know, they, they don't use matte paintings. They don't use digital effects. They used forced perspectives and miniatures and things like that. And I, that's what sets them apart from, like, you know, the triple X's and all the wannabe Bond things. Right. So, now for... For your uh, just one little quick thing, um, you only live twice in Doctor No. To me, fit uh. together because they have those wild underground lairs, if you will. The you know the the the, the megalomaniac with the underground lair. The other ones. They got the, you know, Goldfinger was a megalomaniac, but he didn't have the cool underground lair. Well, Goldfinger is the first super villain of the Bond things. Up until Goldfinger, they're pretty realistic and, you know, have their feet on the ground. But he, yeah, maybe a Doctor No, I don't know. That's <laughs> well, but Doctor No's got his underground island lair, and yeah. now we've got Blofeld, who's got his volcano lair yeah complete with uh brushed stainless steel uh railless uh stairs and his narrow jackets and, and his brushed stainless steel delicatessen right <laughs> we won't go into that one yet but uh, so again keeping with the tradition of not actually playing so much of the original music we're going to go into tributes to it um, this is probably an artist that you have not heard or probably ne- never thought you would hear on The Quiet Village, Bjork. That's a great choice. She did an amazing version of You Only Live Twice. And this is actually from the David Arnold Project, Shaken and Stirred. Yes. We'll with, talk about that we, after the song. We will talk about that. So here is Bjork doing You Only Live Twice, and then we're going to follow it up with the unreleased version 
of the theme song, which is completely different. Here you go.
Wow, that was interesting. That was the, uh, uh, like, a rejected? That was the rejected theme song for um, You Only Live Twice, called You Only Live Twice, and the singer was Julie Rogers. Wow, that was really interesting and very good, but, I, you know, I prefer the uh, Nancy Sinatra version. But that first one from Bjork, that is from an album called The David Arnold Project, Shaken and Stirred. And David Okay, now tell us about David Arnold. He's now, he replaced John Barry. Well, uh, he succeeded John Succeeded John Barry. He succeeded John Barry. David Arnold put together uh, this album called Shaken and Stirred, the David Arnold Project, with a bunch of contemporary stars like Bjork doing You Only Live Twice and, you know, Iggy Pop doing We We Have All the Time in the World from Entre Majesty's Secret Service and a lot of really great contemporary takes on a lot of John, uh, John Barry stuff. Mm-hmm. And the legend, and I you know, I could have this wrong, this could be an urban legend, but the legend was that he put this together and wasn't really allowed to release it by EM Productions and gave it out as a Christmas present. It has since been released. And you officially. Get, officially. And you can get it on Amazon.com. Unfortunately, it doesn't contain that Bjork song for some kind of legal reasons, but uh, Bjork 
will let you download that particular song from her site for free. But that's one of my favorite. Yeah, it's really good. There's some really great stuff, and maybe we can play another track from that as we get down the uh, through the chronology of the Bond stuff. Well, it seems unofficially we're moving through Bond movies we are. Chrono- chronologically. So the yeah. next one is actually not. My favorite is the next one on Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's a lot of people's favorite because it's why? <laughs> because. It is one of the films that is closest to Ian Fleming's book. It was directed by Peter Hunt, who was the editor on all the previous Bond films. So Peter he got Hunt promoted. He really knew what the formula was and how to do Bond, and he really, really wanted to do a serious Bond film. And as the books go, that's pretty much everybody's favorite book. It's really, really good. And to take nothing away from George Lazenby is a shame that Connery didn't stick around for one more. And, you know, you know, he's really, you know, he came into his own on Goldfinger. He really was in his stride in Thunderball. But by the time we got to He Only Lived Twice, he was just kind of phoning it in a little bit. So let's hear the original. Cause, well, we before we get to that, let's talk about David Arnold, uh, David Arnold a little bit. Because, okay. So when David Arnold made this album, John Barry was basically retired at the time and he had heard this album and he went to Eon Productions and said to the to you know Dana Broccoli this is the guy that should succeed me this is the guy that should write the bond music because he really gets me he loved his arrangements mm-hmm. and the arrangements are amazing on this he, entire album by the way i agree they're really phenomenal and you can just tell he understands John Barry yes and from Pierce Brosnan's second film, Tomorrow Never Dies, on David Arnold has been the composer mm-hmm. for all the Bond films, and he's basically doing John Barry for, yes. for all of them. <laughs> Although a slightly updated version. Okay, so let's. I know we're hammered. So on her magic. So let's do the theme from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I, there's no theme song for it because it's a it's a mouthful of a title. Yeah. But the idea. I would love to hear somebody work On Her Majesty's Secret Service into lyrics. Somehow they managed to work Thunderball into lyrics, and it was kind of okay. Um, True. <laughs> this particular title sequence was Maurice Maurice Binder's way of. Letting the audience know that we have a new James Bond, but he's still the same James Bond. Now, Maurice Bender is the guy who did all those cool visual effects for the the theme, the, the intro music. The title sequence. The title yeah, sequence. he did all the title sequence. He didn't do From Russia With Love or Goldfinger. Those were done by a guy named Robert Brown, John. You know, and and that's sad because one of my favorite is Goldfinger with the projections on the gold Right, well, woman. they both have projections, and they're both really good. And Maurice Bender did the dots for Dr. No. Yes. And then he got another job, and he was busy during the, the other two. But after that, starting with Thunderball, Maurice Bender was back, and he did all the title sequences. And this particular track that you're about to play coincides with his images letting you know 
this is still the same James Bond, even though it's not Sean Connery. And uh, this is actually a really, really nice version that I found by an artist by the name of Eric Borelius from his album called Movies on a String. This is a really cool flamenco classical solo guitar version of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's a really cool version. I think you're going to dig this.
Let's talk just a quick hot minute about George Lazenby. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a great Bond. How come he just didn't? I agree. He really was. He, he didn't was really move great. on as you know, into other movies. Well, the stories well. go that at the time that they were shooting, the role kind of went through his head a little bit, and he was a little "I'm the star" and standoffish to the rest of the cast. And you know, truth be told, that movie it was a big hit, but it wasn't quite the hit that the previous Bond one was. And I think, really unfairly, it was blamed on on Lazenby. And, you know, probably the reason was it was a little more serious than You Only Live Twice. It was very... The the end of the movie is a major downer. It's a total downer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of many things what makes that great, that film, such a great movie. And... If anyone were to anyone were to look at a Bond film and just look at that one as a standalone movie, that's the one that I would show someone who doesn't know anything about Bond. And I think he was really good at it. And I think if he were allowed to continue, he would have grown into it and been a little more comfortable. And I think we all would have loved him. But it's unfortunately he only did the one. But I think that's what makes that one so special. Yeah, I think he would have made a great Bond movie. And it, and it had Blofeld again. A, a great Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas. He was Blofeld. really, really good at it. And Diana Rigg as you know, Contessa Teresa, the greatest Bond femme fatale of any movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I will stack that movie up against any other Bond movie. Okay, so now... That's in the can. The next up is oh dear. Diamonds Are Forever. Right. And what a tension drop that is. It, you know, way bigger than it, than watching Empire Strikes Back followed by Return of the Jedi. This is the biggest tension drop in chronology okay. <laughs> in film history. There's probably a lot of people out there cringing, but I got to say, Diamonds was... In my opinion, okay, I, I don't like to talk disparagingly, but it was a terrible Bond movie. I couldn't agree more, Digitiki. I would say Diamonds Are Forever is, if not the worst, one of the three worst it, Bond movies <laughs> ever made. It is slathered in cheese. and I, Okay, I just want to talk about the one scene. I mean, I, I love Sean Connery. There's many one scenes okay, in yeah. that thing. There, there's a lot of scenes that were troubling for me, but I love Sean Connery, and I, I thought it was nice to see him back in Bond in this one, but there were just some bad scenes. The Moon Rover, when he's out driving out in the desert to try and get away from these guys on ATVs, the moon rover that he's driving in drives off camera, and then all of a sudden you see these moon rovers following him, and there's inexplicably a wheel from the moon rover right. flying out oh, in, in, into the camera frame. It's like, wait, that, you know, and well, then they cut to a shot of him driving away with the moon rover with exactly. all four wheels. Uh, True, but, but, but I mean, I look at this film. It, but it's one of the top theme songs. Well, that's what it has going for it. That theme song is really beautiful. John Barry and Shirley Bassey. They has brought come Shirley back. Bassey back. Yeah, and that's the only thing good that they did. I mean, the rest of the film is Sean Connery sleepwalking for a paycheck through this movie. He's about and 20. Blofeld. Blofeld. 
in drag. In drag. <laughs> the most offensive stereotype gay villains you've ever seen. Yeah. It's and it makes no sense. The whole movie makes no sense. And you know, Cummy Broccoli says that you know he he had a dream that you know Cubby was really into Vegas and he was friends with Howard Hughes and he had this dream that Howard Hughes came to him from this mythical tower in Las Vegas and that's what they based the this White whole, House yeah the White House just everything about it is awful it's a really 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 bad Bond film but however. <laughs> and John Barry has, did his really, really, really worst work within it, and I and I go back to your moon buggy chase. It's almost offensive. We're talking about a movie where where Q. The only scene Q has in this movie is he's going through a Las Vegas casino with a ring that causes the slot machines to pay off. And elephants are reacting to the three elephant bars on this. It's just crazy bad. However, the theme song is absolutely beautiful. Now, being in keeping with with the tradition, we're not going to play the the original Shirley Bassey, which is great. But you had the version from the uh, David Arnold project is amazing. I really oh, like I, it. That's my favorite. That's my favorite track on the whole project. And this, uh, who who is the uh, the artist who sings it? Uh, that is David McAlmont from the UK, which is is not a name I I know of. But when you uh, gave me a copy of this song, I just played it over and over again because I thought it was such a good version. And his voice is really beautiful. In fact, you know, when the first time I heard it, I thought that he was a woman. But in fact. No, he's a guy. David is a man. So here is David Almont from the David Arnold Project. Shaken and stirred. Shaken and stirred. Doing Diamonds Are Forever. And this song will also mark the end of this episode because there just wasn't enough time for all this music and talk. So join me and Agent Joe Banks, head of section, as we return very soon with part two of the music of James Bond right here on The Quiet Village. Until next time, aloha.
to your grave. 